So starting at the very beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thank you, Lizzie. You read that beautifully. We could have kept going all night, I think, don't you, with that reading? It was 
Ephesians chapter 1 is, is such a, a glorious chapter of God's word. It's, it's rich. It's full. We've, we've just heard it and it blesses our hearts just listening to the words together. And um, if in our, on our order sheet there you can see the, the, the type of thing I want to say this evening. And it's just opening up verses 3 to, to verse 10. And verses 3 to 10 fit in this, this first, this, this great long sentence that Paul preaches from verses 3 to 14 when, when Paul is just, it's one long sentence. It's like a river of praise that comes out of Paul's, Paul's um, mouth and his heart. And there is so much there, so much to get through. But with God's help this evening, God, God's blessings that are written of in these words will be blessings that are in our hearts and in our lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the riches that it describes, the riches of a faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray that all of us here this evening might know something of those riches. Maybe we've never known them before. May your spirit so stir our hearts that we are drawn towards them and that we begin to desire them more than anything else. And for those of us that have been walking with you for a long time, may we see afresh the incredible generosity that you give to us in Jesus Christ. And may we seek and love these blessings that you've given to us in the heavenly realms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd um, open your Bible there, then it's 1173. 1173. These are high and heavenly things. The, the things that Paul deals with here are, are spiritual truths. The human mind of itself just can't understand them. They're beyond comprehension. But God, by his spirit, reveals truth to us. And we understand things that are beyond comprehension. And, and that's what we need God's Spirit to do this evening, to take us into those heavenly realms, to, to, to open our eyes to see things that are beyond our, our sight and understanding. So it's a privilege to preach on these words this evening. They're glorious verses, so may God open, open them to our hearts and minds. In my um, preparation, I was reading a bit of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones's exposition of Ephesians, and in um, his sermon on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, these are the words that he said. There are people who imagine that they can deal with the apostle's introduction to the epistle in one discourse, but that is to abuse it and to miss the rich doctrine and truth it contains. Every particular must be given its due weight and emphasis. Well, that's me snookered, isn't it, straight away, according to the doctor. I couldn't agree with the doctor more. We're just going to touch things. Like Don's sermon last week, the stone skipping on the water. That's all we can do this evening in these words. But with God's grace, those riches will come out. Interestingly, the the doctor preached 37 sermons on Ephesians chapter 1 alone. And most of those sermons were about 50 minutes long, so... There was a lot there. Okay, so let's get going. Verse 3, verse 3. We got that down as generous blessings. Verse 3, there we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who are the blessings from? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. These blessings are from God the Father. This is the source of these spiritual blessings. They come from God the Father. Who are they for? Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Who is the us that Paul is speaking about? It's the Christians in Ephesus, including himself. Paul is speaking to Christians. It's to Christians that these blessings come. And as we understand the Christian faith, we understand why. Christianity is very exclusive. God's blessings are for Christians and only for Christians. These riches that are spoken about here are for Christians alone because of what God's had to do to bring them to the position that these blessings can come into their hearts. Where are they found? Again, we see it in verse 3. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms. Ephesians speaks a couple of times about these heavenly realms. Now, the heavenly realms are where where Christ has risen into. And in chapter 2, we hear that when Christ rose into those heavenly realms, he took us with him. And Christian believers are in Christ. We are in those heavenly realms. That's the dimension that we live in, in our faith in God. We live in two realms. We live very much in this world. Now, also, we live in the heavenly realms. And that's where these blessings are to be found. They're heavenly blessings in a, in a heavenly realm. And we see also that what kind of blessings they are. They're spiritual blessings in Christ. Verse 3, it's written there. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our generous God has blessed us generously with these blessings in Christ. So what are the blessings? The introduction goes on. Paul is very logical in the way that he he explains things. So verses 4 to 7, he explains what these spiritual generous blessings are. So look at verses 4 to 7 there. And you see there, there are a number of blessings. I've just chosen out three. And again, look at the words, election to holiness is the first, adoption to sonship is the second, redemption from sin is the third. So election, adoption, redemption, all in one sermon. That takes some some doing, doesn't it? But again, these are great spiritual truths that Paul deals with straight away. So verse 4, the first blessing, the first spiritual blessing that, that God gives to us in Christ is the blessing of election to holiness. Paul Paul goes straight in at the deep end, doesn't he? And I think more you know, election, predestination, straight in. Verse 4, he's, he's in there, the deep end. We imagine that this is third-year theological students type of stuff. But remember, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian believers, to the church in Ephesus, or other churches that were reading this letter that was comprised of slaves, Servants, the illiterate, the poor, they made up the congregation. And it's to these people that Paul speaks of the blessing of election to holiness. What 
do I mean by the doctrine of election and predestination? It's like one of those things like politics, isn't it? You don't talk about those things in churches because it might cause a bit of division. But Paul says these are blessings. And Paul goes straight in, doesn't he? Straight in with them. So what is the doctrine of, of election, the doctrine of predestination that, that's, that's kind of got this dear type of thing to it? It's bog standard Christianity. It's part of historical Christianity. It's in the 39 Articles of Faith, Church of England stuff. It's in all the other confessions too. It wasn't in that song, was it, we sang? I don't know why they didn't put it in there, but they didn't. But I've, I've dug out my 39 Articles, and, and here it is. I'm going to read it. It's quite wordy, but they're very beautiful words. The folks that put the 39 Articles together thought very deeply about what they were going to say. And really what is said is quite beautiful. So listen carefully. Pin back your ears. There's some long words in there. I'll do my best. So Article 17, Church of England stuff. Predestination to life is the everlasting purpose of God, whereby before the foundations of the world were laid, he hath constantly decreed by his counsel, secret to us, to deliver from curse and damnation those whom he hath chosen in Christ out of mankind and to bring them by Christ to everlasting salvation as vessels made to honor. Wherefore, they which be endued with so excellent a benefit of God be called according to God's purpose by his spirit working in due season. They, through grace, obey the calling they be justified freely, they be made sons of God by adoption, they be made like the image of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, they walk religiously in good works, and at length, by God's mercy, they attain to everlasting felicity. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great stuff? That's the doctrine of election. What it's saying is that before the earth was founded, God picked out, God chose a people himself and in time and through time those people come to faith in him and by his grace they will get to glory it's a sacred mystery you will never understand it but God can reveal it to you and you can grasp it maybe you don't understand it now then pray to God say look I don't understand it I find it quite offensive really help me to understand it help me to see this doctrine, this precious doctrine that Paul says is a blessing. And I love Article 17 goes on after that to talk a bit more. And then it says, a godly consideration of these things is full of sweet, pleasant and unspeakable comfort. And I couldn't agree more with that. Once you grasp it and understand it and see it, that before the foundations of the world, the earth, God knew me, God chose me. God loved me, and it's like wonderful. It's jaw-dropping, sock-dropping off stuff, and it's truth. We're dealing with truth here. It's pleasant. It's an unspeakable comfort. And what are the elect chosen to? What does God want to do with these people? We see it again in verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's why I've put down there, we are chosen, we are elected to holiness because we are to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
This is what God wants of us. This is God, God, what God is working in us. A holiness, a, a blamelessness. Holiness means to be morally pure. That's what God is doing in us. That's why Christians seek to be good and righteous and upright and morally pure. Because this is what the Spirit is working in us. This moral purity set apart from, for God to be like this. Blameless means without blemish, above reproach, nothing against you. Sounds like an impossibility, isn't it, really? But before God, this is what happens to us in Christ. We stand before God holy and blameless in Christ. They are tremendous blessings that God has given to us. How is it possible? How are these, how can God make us and we know ourselves reasonably well, to be holy and blameless in his sight. We might think, with other people maybe, but not with me. He's got such a work to do. Well, How can God then, then make us to be like that? The next blessing explains that. Verse 5, we see there, verse 5, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. The blessing of adoption to sonship. We do not by nature belong to the family of God. Quite the opposite. God, God is not our friend. We sometimes say, don't we, come to God, he's your friend. The Bible does not teach that God is our friend. The Bible is quite clear that we're enemies of God. We, that's why we need this radical change. We're God's enemies. We're under his wrath and his anger. And unless we, we, we come out of that, we're in deep trouble. So how do we then become adopted to sonship? This is something that God has done. We see it here in verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing that God has done. Adoption, was, was Paul was very clever to use this. It was something that was prevalent in the Roman times. The Jews, interestingly, did not do adoption. They didn't do adoption, but the Romans did. They adopted children into their families. They also ad adopted adults into their families. And the adopted child or the grown-up secured the legal right and the name and the property of those who adopted him. And, and legally, they were the same as a natural-born child. They took the name of the person. They, they, they had a new name. And they had a new status because they came out of one place into another and they stayed in that new family forever. They, they, there was this legal document that was absolutely sure and certain. I am adopted. I have got a new name. I have got a new stature now. And the same with us adopted in Christ. We have a change of status. We, we are now belonging to the family of God. We used to be to belong to the family of, of the devil, to be quite honest. That's what the scripture teaches. But we've been taken out of that and we've been lifted into the family of God. We've been given a new name. Our new name in the new family. We belong to God. But the most amazing thing about the adopted child of God, because the, the legally adopted child in Roman times had his own nature, it stayed the same. That, that family nature that he came with stayed with him. But for the adopted child of God, we have a new nature too. God puts new birth in us. So legally we're adopted. We have all the status of a child of God. But he makes us into, with, with that new nature, he, he puts his spirit within us and we're born again 
into his family. We begin to be like Jesus. This is the, this is the work of the holiest. There's something within us that is causing us to be holy. It's our new nature. You can see what blessings in the gospel, aren't there? What blessings there are in Christ. So this, this adoption to sonship not only includes that legal, certain adoption into the family of God, but we're given a new nature. It's called regeneration. We're born again. Dear old Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he was a leader in the, in, the, in the Jewish religion. He couldn't grasp it. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus had got no idea what he was talking about. But we can look back, and I'm, hopefully Nicodemus, I'm sure Nicodemus did come to that understanding. But again, it's a revealed truth. You need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. You need to be born again. That's what Jesus says. The Christian has two natures, the newborn again nature, but we also have a nature which is the old nature. And the two are in battle and we're called to put to death the old nature and to live for the new one, to take off. Later in this epistle, Paul says to them, you need to take off, as it were, your old clothes and to put on the new ones. This is what living the Christian life is about it. And it's a struggle and it's a difficulty because we kind of feel comfortable in our old clothes. We don't really want to take them off. They're nice and warm and cozy. But we're to take them off and to put on the new nature. That's that's the heart of the gospel. How can God work this in us? How can we do it? How can we work out this this regeneration, this new life of God in us? We come to the next blessing. Verse 7, the blessing of redemption from sin. They're great big words, aren't they? But we can get our heads around them. We can understand them. The blessing of redemption from sin. Redemption means deliverance by payment of a ransom. How could God take us out of the world and the darkness and our previous family and bring us into his holy, righteous, wonderful family? God can't just click his fingers and do it because God is holy. God cannot look upon sin. It's, it's not within his nature to do that. But so how can God work round that? Well, we know it's the gospel, isn't it? He did it in his son, Jesus Christ. He redeemed us from sin. He purchased us. He bought us. That's what redemption means. Deliverance from, from sin by the payment of a ransom. And the price of our deliverance from sin, we see there in verse 7. Look at verse 7 together. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus paid the penalty for them. He paid the price. Now, the Old Testament is full of blood sacrifices. I don't When I first became a Christian and started to read the Bible and started to read the Old Testament, it was was a bit gory, really. I I didn't understand and didn't comprehend these things. But what we have in the Old Testament, especially in Leviticus and Exodus and the the chapters that speak about the sacrifices, are, are a type, a shadow of what God had to do. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That's the truth. Blood had to be shed. A life had to be poured out for a, a new life to be given. And Jesus is, is the, the reality of the shadow that we see in the Old Testament. He died for sin. He 
died for our sins. Sin was once our master, but no more. Our sins are forgiven because of Jesus has paid the price for them. So in God's sight and standing, we are holy and blameless. In his sight and standing, we are holy and blameless. We as children can come into the presence of God by prayer and not feel ashamed because he looks upon us as holy and blameless. Because we're wearing the righteousness of Christ. But he's working on the, on the inside too. The Holy Spirit is, is sanctifying us. And, the, and what, we, what we long for is the redemption of our bodies. That one day God will be able to look upon us and we will be holy and blameless in his sight. That's our hope. The legality of redemption is finished. The work is done. The reality of redemption, our bodies being redeemed, is yet to happen. That's what will happen when Jesus returns. That's why the Apostle Peter said to his disciples, set your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our hope is not in getting to heaven. Our hope should be beyond that. Our hope is when Jesus Christ is revealed and then our bodies will be glorified. Then God's work will be complete and finished. By the Holy Spirit, we are being sanctified. The ongoing work is happening. But sin remains in our bodies. And don't we know it? Is everybody aware that there is sin remaining in your heart? A few nods. Good. I'm pleased of that. Sin remains. And it's our constant enemy. And it's powerful. And you give it an inch. And it takes a hundred miles. And you give it a tiny little bit and it's in the door. It is a powerful thing. We have a, we have war going on. We, we are, we are, we, this is what, this is part of being a Christian. We have this, this warfare going on. But when Christ returns, our bodies are glorified. And we are to fight it. We are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says to these believers, put on, put on the new clothes. Work at it. Give it your all. And later in Ephesians, he talks about the battles that we have in the heavenly realms. And our our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers far more greater or mightier than us. So three spiritual blessings, election to holiness, adoption to sonship, redemption from sin. Are you still with me? Good. That's fine. It's quite, they're quite difficult, these things, but don't lose their blessings. They really are blessings and they're real. So what do these blessings lead to? Okay, we've got the blessings. What do we do with them? What do they lead to? Verse 6 tells us, okay? Verse 6. He's done all these things to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. The blessings lead to glory to God. That's what they lead to. That's what our life in Christ leads to. Glory to God. To the praise of his glorious grace. It says there in verse 4. Verse 6. It also says the same in verse 12 and verse 14. God created mankind. God picked these mankind, this, this humankind, out of the mass of people at the very beginning to do something with them to glorify him. 
That's what God does. The chief end of man, the old saying says, the chief end of man is to glorify God. That's what the the confession says. Life is not all about us. It is in the 21st century, isn't it? It's all about me. It's not about us anymore. It's all about me. But the Christian gospel is all about God. These things are to glorify God. The chief end of man is not to make us happy, not for us to dance about in heaven, which we will do and have a lovely time, but the chief end of man is to glorify God. So what do these things lead to? They lead to glorifying God. These blessings lead us to achieve what we're meant to be, to glorify God. That should be our heart's desire. Lord, let me glorify you. And all that I do and all that I say, let me glorify you. It's not about us. It's not about finding ourselves. So many of these modern religions and isms, it's all about me finding me, isn't it? We dig deep. We find, I found myself. I'm so happy. I'm so deeply satisfied now. The gospel is for us to find God. It's in Christ that we're deeply satisfied. It's in God that we, we, we find ourselves. We find God. We are to glorify God. So is that, is that all it's about? No. It, it, it's glory for us too. Yes, it's glory for God, but it's glory for us. That great statement of faith, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. There is enjoyment. These blessings lead to eternal life. Life in its fullness. The, the, the glory that, that goes to God spills over for us. We, we enjoy our Christian lives, don't we? Yeah. Derek's nodding. Good. We enjoy the blessings that God gives to us in Christ. We should. God has blessed us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What has he blessed us with? Eternal life. We know the love of God. He is our Father. The eternal God who made heaven and earth, who parted the Red Sea, who did all those miracles, he is our Father. He's on our side. He cares for us. He watches over us. There's never a second in the day, never a millisecond, that he's not looking after us and caring for us and bringing us to that fulfillment, that that final purpose. God is at work in our lives all the time. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nothing and no one can take you from that love. We know the love of God. He's our father. That's a blessing. That's rich. We dwell in new realms. We live in the heavenly realms. We're enjoying spiritual life. We, we've come alive. We, things that we read in the Bible that were, that were dark and, and difficult, they're, they're now, we're alive to them. We enjoy the spirit in our hearts. He's he's helping us, he's prompting us, he's giving us gifts and ability to use in the church so that we can bless one another. We possess the unsearchable riches of Christ. We join a new family, the church, God's people. We're part of the eternal purposes of God. We are part of the final destiny of God. In these eight verses in in, in Ephesians, Paul goes right back to the creation, before the creation of the world, And in verse 10, it's a bit tangled up there. But what he's saying is we're right there at the end too. When God brings everything to fulfillment in Christ, we will be there, a part of it. That's what the blessings lead to. How do we get these blessings? Am I doing all right for time, Dave? How do we get these blessings? That's important, isn't it? Phil, you've you've spoken about these blessings. Yes, good. How do we get them? 
We, we see it in this passage. The answer is given many times in verses 3, in verse 4, and in verse 7. In Christ Jesus. In Christ. In Christ. That's where the blessings, that's where we get them. He alone is the source of these spiritual blessings. We receive them by believing in Christ. In verses 13 and 14 in chapter 1, Paul again speaks to the Ephesians. and he, He's spoken about the blessings and he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of of his glory. When you believed, when you heard the gospel and believed, it's believing in Christ that brings us to these blessings. The gospel is, is so simple, isn't it? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Many of us have done just that. It's like I said it before, I think, that the, the, the jumbo jet pilot that's taking his jumbo jet down the runway, he, 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 he believes that when he pulls back the stick at 140 knots, this hundreds of tons of metal will lift into the air. There are spiritual truths in that. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We take off. We enter new realms. We enter the heavenly realms. The blessing of God comes to us. I hope you're able to see this evening what a Christian really is in, in this passage. A Christian is someone chosen by God. To be holy and blameless before him. And this choosing took place before the creation of the world. It's so rich. A Christian is someone who is legally adopted into the family of God. They have a new status, a new name before God. Once they're enemies, but now they're his children, the children of God. They have a new status, a new nature. God's seed, God's own seed is within them. They're born again. They're transformed in heart and in mind. A Christian is someone who has been redeemed, purchased by the blood of Christ, delivered from sin, justified. These are the hallmarks of a true Christian. Do you get it? Do you see it? Is it beginning to make to make sense? Hopefully those of you that have known it for a long time will rejoice in that. Yeah, I'm all of those things. Praise God for the riches, the blessings that I have have in Christ. But I need to ask the question, are you a Christian? Do those hallmarks, are they in your life? Are you a believer? Is is all this yours? Do you know it? Do you have it? Do these truths thrill your heart? They should do. Or is there there a, a coldness towards them? Can I urge you this evening to make these blessings yours? Lift them from the pages of the Bible and let God by his Spirit Weave them into your heart and make them a part of your life. Come to the fount of blessing. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in him. The son of God, the saviour, the redeemer. Forty years ago, slightly over, I did just that. I just simply believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got no idea what blessings God had got for me. Blessings in the heavenly realms, but blessings in the earthly realms too. God blesses us richly in both realms. He really does. We have an incredibly generous God. Don't refuse his gift. 
If God has been speaking to you this evening, I, I hope and pray that he has, then speak to someone after the service. Primarily speak to God. He is the giver of these gifts. He is the one alone who can bring you into, fa- into the, the family, his family, his, the family of Christ. Primarily speak to God. But speak, speak to Phil, the vicar, speak to Tim, the curate. Join up for the Alpha course. Pray with one of the prayer team here in the front of the church at the, at the end of the service. They'll be delighted to help you and to lead you into the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the blessings that are ours in Christ. Pray that you would take them from the, the pages of the Bible here and make them a part of our hearts and lives. May there be nobody here this evening who goes through life not knowing these blessings these riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. Amen.